Hey everyone, welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host Mackenzie and you are listening to episode 45. This is actually my second episode with Alia and if you missed the first episode, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to episode 44. In that episode, we got to know Alia a little bit more, get to know her background, and she taught us a lot about yoga. So if that's something you're interested in, you definitely don't want to miss out on that conversation. For now, we are talking more about her other passion in life, which is the ocean. Alia is actually a former professional tandem surfer, which if you don't know what that is, you have got to look it up. It is insane. So she's a super talented former professional athlete, and she's also an experienced scuba diver. These experiences have taught her a lot about ocean conservation with things like pollution, shark safety, and coral reef conservation, and that's what she's teaching us about today. She's going to give us some things that we can do to help with conservation efforts that are super easy and practical, which I always appreciate, and you're also going to hear about some things that she's currently loving too, of course. But before you dive into listening, I want to ask you if you would be willing to go ahead and leave a review for the Enlighten Me podcast. The reviews help other people to find the show, and they also help those in need because I'm currently donating money for reviews that I receive, so tons of great reasons to do them. It really only takes a couple minutes to do it. You can do it on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're listening to, but it's super easy. It doesn't have to be anything long, but these reviews really help me. I want to take a second and read a review from a kind listener who took the time to write one. This review is from Jay Money, and they said, These are such great topics that we all should be more mindful of. Each episode has opened me up to tangible ways I can grow as a person and gives me action steps to being a part of the solution. This podcast has helped me to see how I can make a difference in this world. So powerful. Thank you so much for that kind review. It means more than you know, and I really appreciate it. Something else you can do is subscribe to the show, and all that means is that you will be notified whenever a new episode is available. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything, so make sure you're subscribed so that you know when new episodes are out. And lastly, I want to ask you to tell someone about the show. Word of mouth or sharing on social media, these are huge things that really help tremendously for more people to find the show, and that's what I want. I really want more people to be listening, more people to become aware of these super important topics like ocean conservation, and to learn ways that we can help to save this planet. So I'm asking if you would do some of those things before you listen or even while you're listening to the show. Unless you are driving or doing something like that, then definitely wait to do it afterwards. But thank you so much for considering taking the time to do that and enjoy part two with Alia. I want to move on and talk about the other side of your life with your previous career as a professional athlete and kind of how that connects to some of your passions now. So is there anything more you want to tell us about your surfing career and and was diving part of your career too? Yeah, so I have a way of bridging these two topics because yoga definitely has impacted both my professional career as a tandem surfer and also my greatest hobby, which is scuba diving. Mm -hmm. And the way that yoga connects with both of those other activities is being able to control my breath and therefore control the monkey chatter in my mind. Mm -hmm. So specifically with diving, scuba diving, and breathing, I had a collapsed lung when I was six. And when I was 18, I broke my nose for the first time. And I've 
broken it twice since then. Oh, so breathing can be a little bit difficult yeah. it can be challenging for me. Yeah. And it's very, very important for me to focus a lot of energy and awareness on. And so with diving, when you're underwater and you have your apparatus for breathing, it's important to never hold your breath. And when I get nervous or anxious or scared, my first tendency is to hold my breath. And that can be dangerous when you're scuba diving. Mm -hmm. So I really harness my awareness and, and my yoga practice, specifically breath work, in order to stay calm, cool, and collected while scuba diving. And also while tandem surfing, especially in a contest when you have all this pressure and you can't control the waves. And there have been contests where um, you have 20 minutes to catch the waves and, and there are other teams out there doing the same, but, you know, only two or three catchable waves come in and it's, you know, the luck of the draw. So I have a story about scuba diving where I lost my breath. I was with my mom in Indonesia. We were traveling for a month and we did a live aboard. We lived on a ship in the middle of the ocean for two weeks in wow. Komodo National Park, which is off the coast of the island of Flores and specifically Labuan Bajo, which is a small coastal town off of Flores in Indonesia. Hmm. And my mom and I are on this dive. It's a shark dive and there's a lot of current and we're down about 60 feet and you're never instructed to hold the reef. But in this situation, you had to kind of clip on so that you don't get swept out with the current. Well, I'm Watching these beautiful sharks, black tip reef sharks, they're just amazing, beautiful creatures. Mm -hmm. And I can't find my mom. My mom's in her 60s. She's my best friend other than my husband. My mom and dad and I are all very, very close. And uh -huh. she's my adventure buddy. So I'm like, where's my mom? I can only see sharks and, you know. Oh, that's my mama. Yeah. So I wound up having kind of an anxiety attack and I could feel my diaphragm contracting. I was having diaphragmatic contractions and I was crying in my mask. And this voice came into my head that said, if you don't calm down, you're shark food. Yeah. So you can't do anything about this situation. You can't swim off and search for your mom. You have to stay put and trust that she's okay. But even if she's not okay, you stay calm. Otherwise, you won't be okay. Right. And it turned out she was fine. There were three dive masters on that dive that day. And one of the dive masters noticed that she was having a, a little bit of a hard time getting down to the depth because of the strong current. So he took her around to the leeward side of where we were, where there wasn't current. And when I found her, I pulled on her fin and was crying and so happy. And once we surfaced and got back in the dinghy, I was crying, you know, and coming out of my nose and my mouth and everything. And yeah. my sweet mom goes, 
I didn't know I meant that much to you. Oh, oh I'll never forget that moment. But oh, that's so sweet. In that moment, when I was freaking out to stay focused on my breath and have the wherewithal, the ability to calm myself down, knowing that if I didn't calm myself down, I could be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. That was one of the real pivotal moments for me, realizing how powerful our breath is and taking that yoga practice off the mat and into my real life was really powerful. Yeah, that's really cool. That's so cool, that connection between the two. People ask me a lot about scuba diving. Isn't it something that I'm afraid of? It's like, no, I feel the most meditative. I feel the most at one with nature mm-hmm. when I'm underwater. It's such a inspiring activity. I just love yeah. diving. Yeah, that is really cool. I will say that story gives me a little bit of anxiety hearing about being with the sharks and not knowing where your mom is. But I, it's something I, you know, I would definitely love to try it someday. I mean, it sounds amazing. So I made the mistake of telling that story to one of my very best girlfriends who was thinking about learning how to scuba dive. Uh-huh. And I should never have told her that story. But let me tell your listeners that we were on a very advanced dive. Yeah. These are not the types of dives that are typical or traditional. Mm -hmm. We knew what we were getting into and that it was very technical and advanced. And if you're not a diver but you're thinking about diving, go for it. It's so exciting. And I live by feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, it, Go it sounds it. it sounds really cool, especially when you see pictures, which I've seen you post sometimes on your social media. So yeah. it sounds amazing. So something you told me that you're really passionate about that you've kind of learned more through your surfing and diving experiences is ocean. Uh, I'm going to mess this up every time now because yeah. I keep saying the conservation conversation. But, right, um, right. Is ocean conservation and so that's something that's obviously really important right now especially with the problems we're having with plastic pollution but I think a lot of people you know they know it's an issue but they don't really know the specifics with it so what do you want to tell us about ocean uh I'm going to think about it every time ocean conservation conservation. yeah (laughs) yeah Well, being a a surfer and a scuba diver, this is a very important topic to me. And when I talk to people about the ocean and the necessity for conservation action, Mm -hmm. I like to start with some facts. And so just a few facts for listeners. If, If you know these already, then maybe you can share them. And if you haven't heard these facts, um, maybe you'll find them interesting. So there are about 4 billion pounds of trash per year that are entering into our ocean. Mm -hmm. So each year, 4 billion pounds of trash go into the ocean. Mm -hmm. The waste in the ocean takes a really long time to decompose. So our styrofoam takes 80 years to decompose in the ocean. Aluminum takes 200 years. Mm. Plastic takes... 400 years or more to decompose and when it decomposes it's going to break apart into microplastics which are then it's something that doesn't dissolve and it it creates 
a lot of problems for the aquatic life that are either absorbing or um, ingesting these microplastics. Mm -hmm. For every square mile of ocean, there's about 45,000 pieces of plastic floating in it. There are 500 dead zones in the ocean. And what's a dead zone? So these dead zones have been created by pollution, making life in those zones impossible for marine or plant life. And some of these dead zones are the similar size as the UK. So that's a huge chunk of ocean where no life is possible to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. There was a study by the University of Georgia that showed 18 billion pounds of plastic trash winding up in our ocean each year. And they put that into perspective. It's enough trash to cover every foot of coastline around the world with five full trash bags of plastic Mm. compounding every year. Wow. 25 trillion pieces of plastic debris in the ocean. Of that 25 trillion pieces, 269,000 tons float on the surface. And then some 4 billion plastic microfibers per square kilometer litter the deep sea. They're finding that a lot of the microfiber plastic pollution is in the deep sea. What we can see on the surface Mm -hmm. is just a mere fraction Mm -hmm. of the pollution that we've caused. Yeah. Most people have heard of the plastic island in the ocean. Have you heard of the plastic island? Um, Is that the same as the like Pacific garbage patch or is that different? Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay. So there's an island of garbage. It's two times the size of Texas. It's called the North Pacific gyre off the coast of California. And it's the largest oceanic garbage site in the entire world. Wow. It's here that the number of floating plastic pieces in the water outnumbers the number of marine life, six to one. Mm. Six to one, plastic to life. Mm-hmm. So um, that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. And I do have one question for you, and this is something people have asked me. Whenever I've talked about, like, plastic, because so, some people don't know that plastic in the ocean is a problem. And whenever right. I've said something like that, I've had a couple people be like, well, like, people shouldn't throw their plastic in the ocean. Like, people are under the understanding that this is, like, people are on a boat and some garbage falls overboard. But that's not what we're talking about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the improper disposal of plastic, including even when you think you're recycling, a lot of different plastics are not recyclable. And also, if there's any food still in the plastic container, let's just say, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be recycled. It's going to be thrown into a landfill and not properly recycled and reused. Mm -hmm. And also, a lot of trash that winds up in the ocean isn't from someone 
throwing their water bottle overboard on a boat or leaving it on the beach. It's also like, for example, today I was walking my dog just around my apartment complex to go potty and there was a crumpled up plastic water bottle a few feet in front of our plastic recycle bin Mm -hmm. for the entire apartment complex community. Mm -hmm. And now as we record this episode, we're in the middle of Mm COVID-19, so we're not supposed to be touching something that someone else has had their lips on. But I would rather touch it and go home and wash my hands for two minutes than let it be there because with wind and with rain and with runoff and with time, even though it's a mile away from the ocean, it will wind up in the ocean. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And yeah, it's not... It's not just from the one time at the beach that you accidentally, you know, your plastic black bag threw away. Like, right. getting my words jumbled. But, but obviously that contributes to the problem. But it's like, if you think about where is your garbage going when you do go put your sack of garbage in the dumpster? Like, where is it going? Exactly. You know, it's all of us and all the garbage that we produce in our households. Exactly. And something that I recently learned about is that ocean noise pollution is an issue too, like ships Mm. and tankers and shipping containers. Mm -hmm. They emit sounds like uh, high-intensity sonar or air guns. And this noise pollution can actually injure fish and disrupt their habitat. Really? I didn't know that. Everything from cruise ships to tankers and and boats that carry oil it's like incredible to think about the amount of sounds that and energy frequencies radio waves that they're interrupting even if you think about whales and dolphins that use sonar and echolocation and now there's all this additional noise pollution in our ocean oh that's so true and we didn't even talk about like oil pollution, which is a whole nother thing. And that's been going on for a long time. And I think the reason that plastic pollution and just our waste is getting so much attention right now is because of how quickly we're going through it. Like if you think about all the different things, you know, single use plastics, like how often we're kind of forced to use plastics, whether it's because our food is coming in plastic at restaurants or at the grocery store or you know, uh, obviously, like, hospitals rely on plastic a lot, and there are just so many different industries that are using plastic like crazy, like, packaging for shipments and everything, and I think this has kind of shifted to be the center of attention with the conversation about conservation because we're going through plastic so, so fast. It's so true. Yeah, and you hear about oil spills from tankers and things like that Mm -hmm. and those can be very harmful but in our everyday with runoff from big cities there's a lot of oil that enters into our oceans because of of runoff Mm -hmm. and the amount of toxic waste that enters into the ocean it's not just about the fish Mm -hmm. and and the aquatic life actually a lot of this is coming back to us as humans, it's mm-hmm. going to make its way back and cause serious health issues. Yeah. Um, it can cause reproductive problems, mm-hmm. hormone, kidney problems, even nervous system damage. So when we think about, oh, 
you know, the ocean, it's so big and it's going to be fine. Well, it's already starting to impact us as humans on our health yeah. because if we eat fish that have consumed microfiber plastics and contaminated oil from city runoff, mm-hmm. now that's entering into our bodies mm-hmm. and it can cause a lot of health problems. Yeah, yep, you're very right. So interesting how many things like, you know, people talk about how the rate of cancer and rate of infertility has increased so much. And it's like, when you talk about stuff like this, it's like, no wonder, geez. No wonder. So with ocean conservation, there's a couple things I wanted to talk specifics about. Um, You mentioned coral reef conservation as being especially important. And people might not realize that coral reefs are endangered. Um, Maybe they've seen the Great Barrier Reef, like some facts about that, but that's obviously not the only reef. So what can you tell us about that? So as a scuba diver, we dive around coral reefs Mm -hmm. and that's where you're going to see the most amount of life in the ocean because that is a huge percentage of their food. A lot of fish feed off coral. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about the ecosystem and coral reefs are alive, they're organisms. And when a smaller fish eats a part of the coral reef and then a larger fish eats that smaller fish and then let's say a seal or a shark comes and eats that larger fish or we eat that larger fish, Mm -hmm. you know, it all came down to the origination of the smaller fish's food, which was the coral reef. Mm -hmm. And so that's why coral reef conservation is especially important We've been facing what's called coral bleaching, the worst bleaching of coral reefs that's ever happened in known history. Mm -hmm. We've lost 50% of the world's coral in the last 30 years. What happens is because there has been some increase in the water temperature Mm -hmm. that along with our holes in the ozone layer that are able to then magnify the strength of the sun and then also it's magnified because it's reflected from the water. Mm -hmm. The reefs can only survive in a a certain temperature range and so they're they're a pretty fragile ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And when the water temperature and the, the amount of solar energy is too strong for the reef, they produce this type of Um, it's almost like sunblock for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that starts to happen and you see the coral turning white as a way of protecting itself from the sun. Mm -hmm. And if the temperature of the water doesn't go back to normal and if the amount of radiation from the sun doesn't decrease, then the reef actually dies and it becomes just like a skeleton Mm -hmm. of itself. Mm -hmm. It's really sad to see and and I've seen it. It's terrible. It's something that really connects to us as humans, too, because there are some predictions that we're three to four hundred times more likely to find new drugs from coral reef ecosystems than land-based ones. Oh, wow. But obviously, that's only if they survive the Mm -hmm. next century. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Without reefs, billions of sea life species would suffer, and then millions of people would suffer. They'd lose their most significant food source. A lot of people would lose their jobs in the fishing industry. And we think about things like disasters, whether it's tsunamis or tidal waves like coastal disasters. And reefs act as a natural barrier. They cancel out 97% of a wave's strength. Oh my gosh. So if you think about it, that's protecting more than 200 million people because it's about that many people who live in coastal places around the world. Yeah. And it would take, I did a little research on this, it would take $2.5 million per mile to build a seawall that would provide the same protection as the natural protection of our reefs. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's so cool. I mean... We have these reefs, they protect us, and yet they're dying at a very rapid rate. Yeah. Half of the U.S., half of the Caribbean coral have died in one massive bleaching that happened in 2005. Half of the U.S. and Caribbean coral reefs were bleached and and demolished. Oh, wow. Do you know from what? It was from ocean acidification. So when the ocean gets too acid, which is caused by rising CO2 levels, which we produce mostly by burning fossil fuels and and the plastic production, Uh that acidification dissolves our reefs little by little. And it leaves them so damaged and exposed, so much so that they can't recover from it. Man. And the physical damage causes um, coral to decompose even more because then we have marine debris and plastic that gets entangled and mm-hmm. fish or, or turtles will mistake in that plastic debris for food. And it's this whole vicious cycle. Yeah, it is a whole cycle. And, and it all kind of comes back to us and how we're, you know, what we're doing and what we're consuming and everything. So I also wanted to ask you, we are going to talk about things we can do to help. So it's not just going to be depressing information about all the horrible things we're doing. But Depressing but educational. Yes, exactly. You mentioned shark awareness as one of your passions. And I really don't know anything about this. So can you tell me what, what do we need to be aware of about the sharks? So I used to be afraid of sharks. Mm -hmm. I, especially as a tandem surfer, thought, you know, here I am, five feet tall, I'm like 90 pounds, and I look just like a little seal, you know, at the (laughs) surface, and I'm shark bait. Yeah. And I really wanted to overcome that fear because I also think that what we put out, we can also attract. Mm -hmm. Um, I've experienced that in my life. A lot of the things that I was afraid of actually happened to me. And so I I wanted to put a stop to that. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that the best thing I could do is to educate myself about sharks and also put myself in a safe, contained experience with them. And so it was 2000... 13 or 14, I was in Hawaii traveling by myself Mm -hmm. and I had made some friends. So I was convinced to do two things that were a little out of my comfort zone. The first was to go skydiving, which I wound up doing twice for the same 
do anything that scares you twice, reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the second thing was to do a shark cage dive, North Shore, Hawaii. Oh, wow. And we dove, not diving, more snorkeling. We were at the surface. But it was with Galapagos sharks, Uh gray reef sharks, and bull sharks. So these are big. Some of them were 10-foot sharks. And I was pretty terrified, but I'll never forget looking in their eyes and and also being cognizant of the fact that they're seeing me mm-hmm. and having that, it was a spiritual connection. I mean, in that moment, I'm not food. They're just curious, you know, who, who are you and what are you doing? So yeah. I decided to educate myself more and I wanted to learn why and how do sharks mistake humans for food? And also, if I'm scuba diving and I encounter a more aggressive species, what do I do or not do? Like, how do I keep myself safe and be really aware of the behavior that can attract them and make them think that I'm food? So I learned, for example, that splashing at the surface of the ocean, if you're surfing, So paddling with your arms or swimming, even boogie boarding and kicking with your legs, that splashing at the surface makes sound waves that sharks can hear. And Mm -hmm. those sound waves that they're hearing, to them, it sounds like an injured animal at the surface, which is where an injured sea lion or seal would be. And sharks aren't going after humans they're also not going after perfectly healthy um, species of aquatic life. Mm-hmm. They help our ecosystem by eating the weak, the injured, and the sick. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, for example, there are certain sea lions or seals that can populate very quickly and therefore dominate an area based on their population. Mm -hmm. But sharks help to control the population because they're going to eat the sick, the weak, and the injured. Mm -hmm. But if you look like a sick, weak, or injured seal at the surface Mm -hmm. and a shark doesn't realize because you're just splashing around in your wetsuit thinking you're minding your own business – that's when a shark may take a bite and it is just checking you out to see if you're food. But that being said, if you get a checkout bite, I mean, you could lose an arm or a leg and, yeah. and we want to prevent that from happening right. without demonizing the shark as being an aggressive predator that's dangerous to humans. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I learned that at the surface, it's best to splash less. And when you're under the water, if you're a scuba diver, a free diver, even a snorkeler, and you encounter a shark, it's important to not act like prey. Yeah. If you're to swim away, you're acting like prey. Hmm. If you're to turn and face the shark and keep eye contact and, in fact, you act like a predator, if you swim towards it rather than away from it and don't break eye contact, you're going to, in such a way, intimidate that shark. They're going to realize that you're not going to be an easy catch. You're not food. 
And then if a shark were to be very curious and get too close, I've learned how important it is to be able to calmly redirect them. It's pushing down in a way on their nose. Now, you don't want to touch a shark because the bacteria and the oils on your hands can actually negatively affect their skin and cause um, infection on their skin. Mm. But if you do need to defer a shark and redirect it, by pushing down in a way firmly on its nose, it has a lot of nerve senses there and it's not going to come back to check you out if it knows that you're just going to push it away right that's I mean that's definitely interesting I'm hoping I don't find myself needing that information but that is good to know for sure um and it reminds me of like other animals like I live on the east coast like southeast and so we have alligators here and you know Mm. a lot of people that sounds really scary but it's like, I mean, they're not they're not trying to hunt humans. Like, they don't want to eat us. Yeah. We're, they mostly eat bugs and fish. And, like, right. they don't – they're not looking for us. And so when you hear about an alligator attack, it's the same thing. It's, you know, it was usually a mistake or they felt threatened or whatever. And, I mean, same thing with even, like, bees and wasps. Like, they're not going around looking for humans to sting. They're, you know, that's, they don't want to do that because usually they die when they do that. It's just a defense mechanism. When I think the most important thing, just like you're talking about, is this idea, and I had to learn this through experience, that sharks aren't going to swim towards you. When they see you, they're most likely to swim away. Mm -hmm. Every time I've done a dive with reef sharks, um, not in cages, I've noticed that if I get too close to a shark, it swims like heck away from me. Right. And I'm like, no, come back. (laughs) I want to see you. And it's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of here. One of my bucket list things is to swim with hammerhead sharks. I want to do some hammerhead dives. And I'd also love to experience tiger sharks one Mm -hmm. day. Um, I don't feel afraid anymore of diving in open water with sharks. I wouldn't do a a white shark dive without a cage. I would rather be in a cage with white sharks. But in general, most of the sharks that I'm interested in, I would be willing to dive without a cage. And just having some basic shark awareness, shark knowledge, and knowing how important they are, how critical of a species they are, Mm -hmm. and how impacted they are based on things like shark fin soup and how people are killing sharks at huge volumes just for their fin and leaving the rest of the shark just to decompose in the ocean. It's just heartbreaking. Mm Mm-hmm. Some estimate 26 million, some estimate up to 73 million sharks each year are killed for the global fin trade. And it just, Mm. it makes me so sad because they're vulnerable and it takes them a lot longer to mature in in order to produce young. And sharks Mm. produce very few young. And it takes a long time for those young to then mature and be able to reproduce as well. So if we don't slow down the amount of shark poaching, then 
we could have a generation in the future that doesn't doesn't know sharks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that will have some kind of effect on our ecological system. So absolutely. Wow. Okay. So this is all really good to know. And I always like to make sure listeners don't just get the knowledge of, you know, things that are not right, but also what they can do. So what do you recommend for people listening? How can we help with these issues of ocean conservation? So number one right now, I've been telling my friends and my social media network A lot of people went to Costco and all of the places because of COVID-19 and picked up a ton of water. And I know some people who have a year's worth of plastic water bottles just sitting in their garage now. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, okay, my husband and I, we have a very inexpensive water filter. We have a Brita and we spent under $50 on this Brita filter. I Mm -hmm. love my reusable water bottle. I have Mm -hmm. one that is pretty lightweight and it has a sippy lid. I got mine from Life Factory. There's tons of different reusable water bottles out there. If you were to spend the same amount that you did on a year's worth of water bottles or however many are now stocked away and instead got a reasonably priced or inexpensive water filter and reusable water bottle, you would cut down on hundreds of single-use plastic. And you think, oh, I only drink one or two or three of these a day. But compound that over a year, over a lifetime, it's thousands of plastic water bottles. And it's not just you. Mm -hmm. It's your neighbor next door. And it's every other person in the neighborhood using single-use bottles rather than a filtration system and a reusable bottle. So that's Mm -hmm. my first suggestion. It's easy. It's inexpensive. You'll actually save money. Mm -hmm. And then I'm the type of person who, whether I'm walking or running on the beach or anywhere, if I see rubbish outside, especially plastic, I Mm -hmm. will pick it up and dispose of it properly. Now, mm-hmm. I've been known to do that and um, carry a piece of plastic for miles because I couldn't find a recycle bin. You mm-hmm. don't have to be an extremist, but you do need to do your part. And so mm-hmm. even if the trash is not yours, it is your planet. It is your community. It is your responsibility to help clean it up. And yeah. If you can pick up one piece of plastic every day, you'd be doing the planet a huge service. We live on a living, breathing planet. The Mm -hmm. planet is alive and we're just throwing our garbage, you know, oftentimes without realizing it, oftentimes Mm -hmm. not on purpose. But if you can take a little bit of mindfulness to your daily walk or even just where you work or where you live and pick up a little bit of rubbish that's around you, you're making a big impact. If you Mm -hmm. can stop buying plastic straws and stop using plastic straws, that makes a big impact. There's something like 500 million plastic straws used every day in the U.S., Mm -hmm. like something ridiculous. 
-hmm. And then I also recommend for people to reduce water consumption, um, especially because sharks are vulnerable to overfishing and depletion. And when we overconsume water, we also are contributing to polluting our waterways. So what I do is when I'm doing the dishes, I'll put soap on my sponge and hot water on it, and I'll, I'll get my dishes, you know, wet enough to soak down. And then I'll shut the water off and I'll soap up all of my dishes. So I'll soap up my glasses first, and then I'll soap up my silverware, and I'll put them in the soapy glasses, and then I'll do the plates and the bowls. You know, the whole, I have an order to things. And then once everything is soaked up, then I turn on the water and I rinse everything off. And in those three to five minutes of not having the water just running and running, I'm thinking about a gallon, two gallons, five gallons of water that I'm now not wasting. I do the same thing when I brush my teeth. I'll get my toothbrush wet and then I turn the water off and I brush my teeth. When I'm mm -hmm. done, I turn the water back on and I spit and I rinse and then... Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit of mindfulness, in my opinion, yeah. so that you decrease your impact on the environment. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many, so many little things, especially with waste and just trying to produce less waste. And I mean, I have a thousand tips if anybody wants them, but I think just thinking about if your garbage wasn't being taken away, like right. let's say whatever garbage you produce, you had to store like in your backyard, would you be as careless as you are? And maybe you don't feel like you're careless, but I think to a degree we all are a little bit. And so, yeah, like you said, it's just about practicing a little bit of mindfulness every day. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be, if you had to pick one, what would be the main message that you want listeners to walk away with today? You can make an impact. You can make a difference. Just mm -hmm. with a little bit extra mindfulness and awareness, this education, whatever speaks to you. So if you're someone who cares a lot about animals or someone who cares a lot about nutrition or technology, take what you're passionate about, learn a lot about it, educate yourself, and then share that information because you can create a ripple effect that you can be the change that you wish to see in the world starting now with any up level of what you're already doing so that you can also contribute to the lives of others by by doing what you're doing or, or by starting something new. But it's never yeah. too late. It's never too late, people. Start now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I second that. Okay, I have a couple fun questions for you before I let you go. Yay. You have a important anniversary dinner or yeah. whatever you're going to get to. <laughs> yeah. um, so what is the most impactful book that you've read? I can't pick one. Can I give you three? <laughs> yes, you can give me three. Okay, so the first book I ever read that really changed my life was The Power of One by Bryce Courtney. I read that in high school, and it was a transformational book for me. I've read it a number of times. Another book that I love, and it's a long book, but it's just a brilliant read, is The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. And the third one 
is called Shantaram, and it's also a long book, but it is such a well-written story, and it just captivated my attention. Uh, the first hundred pages took me a little while to get through because it was so intense, but the story is absolutely amazing. Um, Shantaram is by Gregory David Roberts, and those three books have really, really impacted my life. Okay, great recommendations. I'll make sure to put links to all those. What about, do you have any recommendations of things that you've listened to or watched that you think people should go listen to or watch, especially right now with a lot of time on their hands? Yeah, so if you're someone who's interested in the life of our oceans and our coral reef, I would recommend a documentary that is by Netflix and it's called Chasing Coral. And I thought it was really fascinating to learn about what's happening with our coral reefs and being a total ocean nerd and loving to see life underwater. There were some beautiful, beautiful video images of, of the oceans and of the reef and, and the habitat. And then I'll give our listeners something to look for in the future. There's going to be a tandem surf documentary. It's in production and it follows the top team in the world. They're based in Kauai and they're a beautiful, beautiful team. Um, and so the tandem surf documentary will be something to look out for in the future but in the present, definitely check out Chasing Coral. Okay, cool. That sounds like a super interesting one. And you can learn more about what we've been talking about. Yeah. What about a brand or product that you're really liking lately? So my podcast is called What's Wellness, and I do a lot of episodes based on supporting the physical body as well as the energetic, emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies, but I do that mm -hmm. a lot with different types of nutrition. And so yeah. I love superfoods. And right now I'm really hooked on superfood mushrooms. I like a company called Primal Herbs, and they have this optimal immune antioxidant support uh, that I've been taking a lot, especially to stay healthy during this uh challenging and a little bit uncertain time. Cool. That's awesome. And one book that you should check out, someone that I interviewed um, about like non-toxic skincare just told me about this. Mm. It's called, um, and I messed it up. It's like how mushrooms can save the world. Ooh. I think is what it's called. I'll confirm and I'll let you know, but okay. you would like that. It's talking about all the different uses for mushrooms. Yay. Um, love it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And shout out to Life Factory because I never live the, leave the house without my my water bottle from them. It's it's my sidekick. Yes, I never leave the house without my water bottle either. That's like the one thing I will forget my phone and I'll forget my wallet, yeah. but I'll definitely have my water bottle. Same, same. <laughs> okay, how can people find you? Tell them about your podcast um, and your website, your Instagram, all that good stuff. Sure. Thank you. So my podcast is called What's Wellness with Alia Yoga, and it's on all the podcast platforms. With the shutdown, all of the places that I was teaching at are closed. And so I started uh, YouTube. I'm Alia Yoga on YouTube. 
and mm-hmm. you spell my name A-H-L-I-A. Also, mm-hmm. Alia Yoga on Instagram. It's my website, aliayoga.com. I love getting emails from listeners. I just I just love it. It tickles me because I like uh-huh. to connect and, and communicate yeah. and see how if I've shared something that resonates with you, I like to hear about that. So my email is alia at aliayoga.com. And then if you have any interest in becoming a yoga teacher, I have some yoga teacher training courses, certifications, and and more uh, deep dive into yoga philosophy also on my website. Cool. Well, Alia, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and tell us about yoga and tell us about how we can help to protect our oceans and just a lot of important topics. And I just really appreciate your time. It was so fun getting Mm -hmm. to talk with you. It has been my absolute pleasure. And I look forward to also talking again in the future. I would love to interview you on What's Wellness. Yes, I can't wait to do that. It's going to be super fun. Cool. It is not too late for you to start making a positive impact on this earth. I love that message from Alia along with everything else that she shared today. The information about pollution and the coral reefs that she shared, it's definitely sad and hard to hear, but it also really motivates me to take action. I do not want to live in a world without fish or sharks or where natural disasters are 92% worse than they already are because of the ways that we're living. And I'm sure you don't want that either. So let's be a little more mindful together. Pick up trash when you see it outside and it's not being disposed of properly. Make sure you are recycling the plastic that you can. Or even better, don't buy plastic when you can avoid it. Turn off the water when you don't really need to be using it. Things like this, there are so many little easy things that we can do that add up to having a huge impact, especially when we all do them together. All the links that Alia and I referenced today, you can find those in the show notes, which you can view on the app that you're listening to or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. And while you're looking at those, don't forget about leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing the show with someone. If you learned something today, I would love it if you would share what you learned and tag me in that. It means a lot to me to see that people are listening and that people are taking things away from these episodes. Thank you again so much for your support and listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, reduce your water use, pick up garbage when you can, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. Peace.